This is Dr. C, and I'm stoked to welcome you to an episode of Christory the Podcast. When history is told by Christine, the good old days, and even the not-so-good old days, will make you nod your head. I'm glad you made it to the party. Let's do this. So as we get rolling here into this podcast, I wanted to wish you welcome again to Christory, where history rules, and it's always an adventure. At least the history that we're going to be exploring here, because we're leaving the boring stuff and the beaten track to someone else. In this inaugural podcast, I thought that we might take a closer look at George Santayana. I'm Dr. Christine Contrada, and if you've been following me on Christory Online, you know that George Santayana was the focus of my first blog on the site, thanks to a chance meeting with his words on a monument in the middle of the intersection in Rome, Italy. Rome, the eternal city, is a place of delight in many things, including countless historical collisions in a city layered like an onion. While you wonder how there aren't more collisions of a different sort watching the shockingly chaotic symphony of traffic, what you'll find in these podcasts is that many of my adventures find me following a new curiosity based on some unexpected remote historical connection, often made by happenstance. There is so much more to say about Santayana, so let's take a look at the man and his ideas. The most interesting movers and shakers, philosophers or otherwise, are a little prickly. You'll find a lot of complicated characters at Christory. They are the ones that make history shine. These are the drivers of history. History, as I tell my students, sometimes till I'm blue in the face, isn't a lab science. It never happens the same way twice. You can't predict it like a weatherman, like Al Roker, looking at a storm tracker, because of the human agency involved. If not, studying history would be like that movie Groundhog's Day, where Bill Murray is stuck living the same day over and over again. If history was like that, it would be a total snore fest. Speaking of history not exactly repeating itself, Santayana's quote, which I'm going to share with you here in a moment, is everywhere. But very few people seem to know who he is. And to make matters even worse, his bumper sticker-worthy quote gets attached to all the wrong people on the internet, which gives at least this historian Ajita. He's not the Irish statesman Edmund Burke. He's not the Prime Minister of the UK, Winston Churchill. It was Santayana who famously said... Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And I don't know about you, but I hear a mic drop boom after this. This epic line is buried in Santayana's work, The Life of Reason, The Phases of Human Progress, which he published in multiple volumes between 1905 and 1906. But it's a sentence before that I want to point to because it clarifies what the quote actually was meant to mean. And it is a bit of an ouch. So here it is. Leading up to the more famous line, Santayana said, When experience is not retained, as among savages, infancy is perpetual. I don't know about you, but I think we just got schooled. Think about that quote for a hot second. And let me say it again. When experience is not retained, as among savages, Infancy is perpetual. This addresses the psychology of sentient beings, that we should be learning from our past mistakes. We can do this collectively, 
or we can do this as individuals, it's a pretty good setup for how we can improve our lot instead of wandering around confused. More than anything, it's a call to action. In Newsflash, Santayana is not a historian, which makes this even more poetic. It's sharp and it resonates, because outside looking in is often the most clear-eyed view. At least one takeaway here is that Adulting 101 can stand to put down the TikTok and pay more attention to history. And Santayana is on to something. Who wants to go through life like an infant, or worse, like an adult barbarian? For Santayana, it's more than you and me as individuals. Being aware of history makes for healthier societies and a healthier community. We can apply the wisdom of history to the present. It's pretty globally beneficial, and societies generally, or certainly stormy last time I checked, for different reasons, but education is universally the ticket to improvement. Santayana's quote is a glossy ad for why we should study history, but he seems to get lost in his words because the words have become larger than life. I just did it, as he seems to have already been lost to this podcast, but he's a super interesting guy, and I don't say this about everyone, so I'd like to give him his due. He's much more than that quote, but can I? I mean, what business does a historian have talking about philosophy? Actually, the history of ideas is something that historians can be really good at. Think about it this way. What a philosopher says is a reflection of their historical time and place. It's a window into the worldview of a historical context. The when and the where, where the philosopher finds themselves, is key. Basically, as human beings, we pretty much ask the same questions over and over again. Things like, how do we live well? What system of government would be best or suck less? Is there something after death? Or maybe there's nothing at all. What makes a person happy? What makes me miserable? Etc. over and over again. But the answers change. Plato is not going to answer these questions the same way that you or I would. And knowing Plato pretty well, I'd say he'd absolutely roll his eyes to the point of being gift-worthy at some of the answers we've come up with. But let's save heavy-hitting Plato for another time. Back to Santayana we go. Historians love a good timeline. Santayana was born in Madrid in 1863, and he died in Rome in 1952. So think about that for a moment. The 1860s saw the building of Italy and Germany as nation-states. The Industrial Revolution was roaring like a lion. The Belle Epoch, or the first long decade of the 20th century, was only a beautiful age because of the carnage to follow in both World War I and World War II, both of which Santayana lived through. So that's where he's at in the briefest of descriptions. As these podcasts go on, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the 19th and 20th centuries, so fear not, you'll become an expert. Santayana was recognized quickly as a key figure in classical American philosophy, but he wasn't an American citizen. He retained Spanish citizenship for his entire life. 
and he considered himself to be an intellectual vagabond. In fact, there was a lot about American culture that really annoyed Santayana, so he purposefully distanced himself from identifying with what I think he would consider more of his place of residency and not so much a home, even though he was in the States for a good portion of his life. He spent the first year, eight years of his life in Spain and then 40 in Boston as a student and then as a professor. Then he spent 40 years back in Europe and much of that was spent in Italy and in Rome in particular. So what's so special about Santayana's philosophy? Well, naturalism is key to his philosophical framework. Naturalism doesn't mean go out and take a walk in the woods in this case. This is a line of thinking that applies the rationality of the scientific revolution to understanding philosophy. So you can see naturalism in a lot of what Santayana writes, but if you read any of his works, The Last Puritan, written in 1936, was a huge success. It's an interesting critique of American life. He found it too bound by tradition and obligations that make no sense. He really wasn't feeling American sense of humor or a sense of American exceptionalism, which actually really creeped him out. And exceptionalism is a rather uncomfortable and ugly thing. I get it. Santayana was a motivated student. He earned a PhD in philosophy at Harvard, and he taught there until an early retirement following a major change in his mindset. Academia just wasn't doing it for him. He had some personal tragedy, so he chose to travel, write, eat, drink, and be merry. And delight in living is something that we can all appreciate. I mean, even Oxford and Cambridge tried to scoop him up, and he still said no. He liked being a free bird. Uh, Digital nomads definitely didn't invent that possibility. Now, while considering the dearth of faculty positions in academia in the humanities today, it's horrifying that he left Harvard and proceeded to turn down these other positions. But for Santayana, he had a passion to write. For him, students, faculty meetings, they got in his way, and he rocked it as an intellectual hobo. Santayana was a free bird, and he didn't want to be caged by the academy, Santayana was definitely not a cog in the wheel. His time in Rome started as summers and writing retreats. Then he stayed. Italy kind of does grow on you this way before you know it. When Mussolini showed his true colors, Santayana was disillusioned and truly disappointed by someone he expected to be a decent leader. Santayana got stuck in Rome when World War II broke out in 1939. He tried to get to Switzerland, but his paperwork was far too complicated to get out, and by the time World War II descended on Europe, he was stuck. In October of 1941, he entered a convent hospital, and he lived there for 11 years. This is just south of the Colosseum, which is where that quote that I found was, on the 9-11 memorial in Rome. He stayed in what we would call assisted living until he died of stomach cancer in 1952. He did have a life of the mind well lived. 
And Santayana was a seeker who didn't want to be tied down to any one place or any one person. He wrote about love, but he thrived in the single life. When he writes about love, it's not about bestowing it on others. He seemed particularly content when wars didn't rage, in part that he was free to be a nomad. These days we're obsessed with interpersonal skills, but I don't want to project that Santayana didn't have them. He's level-headed in his way of thinking, and sometimes that's mistaken for a lack of passion. But more often than not, it just sounds like introversion. And what about his legacy? Historians, generally speaking, don't spend a lot of time reflecting on his ideas. We'd rather dive into the tsunami that is the cocktail of Weber, uh, Foucault, Derrida. With too little said about Santayana and his writings today, I was curious what Harvard had to say about their wayward son in the heat of the moment around the time of his death. So I turned to his obituary. The Harvard Crimson, which is the campus magazine, was quick to say that Santayana was essential to Harvard's golden age of philosophy. Really, it comes across more of as a plug for Harvard. Uh, The obituary lamented that he lived aloof from the world, exiling himself from the U.S. But self-exile is a very different creature than exile. He left because he found the U.S. and Harvard to be marred in what he called parochialism and vulgarity. Generally, it's an awkward obituary, to put it mildly. And to make it even worse, there was some serious shade thrown by Bertrand Russell. Let me preface the shade by noting that Russell was gifted $25,000 from Santayana because Russell couldn't find a teaching gig due to his unprecedented and unapologetic pacifism uh, and his views on marriage, where he pragmatically noted that happy marriages are generally very rare, quite short-lived, and that challenged the Victorian ideals of his day. The same Russell was quoted frenemy style in Santayano's obituary saying that the man was a cold fish, that he lacked the qualities of generosity and love. Ouch. Santayana struggled with interpersonal relationships, so unfortunately it's been used to propagate the stereotype of the socially awkward genius, but it seems like he just simply didn't have a lot of patience for people who behaved badly. Considering his work in hindsight, I would suggest that Santayana's genius hasn't gotten enough credit in the long term. He was recognized during his own life as being significant enough that his autobiographical writing was smuggled out of Rome to the U.S. via channels at the Vatican and Harvard, so it wouldn't be lost in Mussolini's Italy. He's a little prickly, a little bit of an ascetic, but I would argue rather delightfully so. His writing style is actually surprisingly accessible, I'd encourage you to pick up his work. Uh, He's an outsider looking into American culture, and he poses a lasting challenge to rather puritanical cultural traditions. He doesn't write about the abstract. He'll give it to you straight when you ask him how to live well. 
It's impossible to separate his ideas from the trajectory of his life, which has more valleys than peaks. Takeaways, YOLO. Quit working for the man, even if it's Harvard, even if you hate it. Uh, Read more philosophy. Better still, visit Santayana. One day at Verano Cemetery in Rome, bring a book. The ancient Roman poet Lucretius, if you really want to impress Santayana, he'd really appreciate that. I'm not so sure that Santayana would appreciate being the subject of the ending of the fourth stanza of Long Island's beloved native son, Billy Joel's epic ode to history in 1989's track, We Didn't Start the Fire. But I'd be remiss not to mention that. So here we are at the end of Chris Ree's first podcast, and Billy said it for me, with enough energy to roar Madison Square Garden, Santayana goodbye. May he live on more than the man behind the quote. And as I say goodbye for now, see you next time for more Chris Ree, and thanks for coming along for this wild ride inspired by the musings over monuments that open the door for graveyard wanderings. If you want to know more about Santayana, check out the blog at Christory Online. Until next time, thanks for coming along, and I'll catch you later. <laughs>